Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Florida football is back, so so are we. Welcome back to another episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. My name is Jacob Rudner, alongside my co-host as always, Swamp 247 staff writer Graham Hall. Uh, Graham, it is spring football time. We have watched two practices as of the recording of this podcast around noon on Thursday, March 7th. Uh, Florida Gators get to practice 15 times in the spring, uh, and we're just at the outset of that camp period. Lots of changes in Gainesville with new faces uh, throughout the facility, new faces working out in each position group. Uh, Billy Napier seemingly confident heading into year two of his tenure. Uh, Graham, we have a lot to talk about as it relates to Florida football, and I think we should start uh, with the elephant in the room, and that is Florida's coaching staff at the moment. Uh, Late coaching staff changes. Defensive coordinator Patrick Toney moves on to the NFL. Florida replaces him quickly with Austin Armstrong from Southern Mississippi. Uh, Kerry Colbert, Florida's wide receivers coach, takes a position with the Denver Broncos uh, in the same role. Florida has to still replace its wide receivers coach. Uh, and then tight ends coach William Piegler does the same, uh, follows Patrick Tony to the Arizona Cardinals. Russ Calloway, who was a defensive intern for the Florida Gators, has experience at the NFL level uh, and was at one point an offensive coordinator in college. He, too, is going to step into a full-time role with the Gators. Uh, hired or to be hired uh, as the Gators tight ends coach, not yet announced by the program as of the recording of this podcast, but uh, we are certain that is the direction the team is going. Uh, Graham, what have you noticed uh, from Florida's new coaches in Austin Armstrong and Russ Calloway? We got to watch Russ Calloway work with his unit for two practices in a row. And then let's comment a little bit on that wide receiver coaching position, maybe what you're hearing uh, and where that could be heading as well. Well, let's first start with the timing of the hires. It's never really a bad thing to lose coordinators to the NFL, especially it hurts if they take lateral moves sometimes. But when you see your coordinators go to the NFL, that's, I think, some affirmation of your evaluation process when you were making your coaching staff initially. And I think Billy Napier can sit here and say that now the NFL calendar moving back a little bit has, I think, made it difficult from a timeline sense here less than two weeks out from camp you lose three coordinators that is extremely difficult you have to as billy napier said have contingency plans already in case something like that happens whether it's having an off the field staffer involved in the coaching process in practice that you retain for the next year so that if something happens they're kind of like a substitute teacher i don't mean that in a negative sense they're just able to step in and make it so it's a seamless transition and you don't lose any progress, whether you do retain that person 
as is the case with Russ Calloway, or end up making another hire, which may be the case at the wide receiver position. Right now, coaching the wideouts for Florida is David Doker, an off-field assistant. He was here last year, has a lot of familiarity with the unit. He's able to kind of make it so Florida hasn't missed anything in those first two spring practices heading into the third one here later today as we record this earlier Thursday. That is, I think, probably the worst situation right now, the wide receiver position, something to monitor. If they retain Doker, I think it becomes a little bit easier, that familiarity in the season. But right now, if you bring someone else in, they've already lost a little bit a week of spring practice time. So that is some, certainly something to monitor, especially for a unit that is replacing several players from last year's team. Dejon Reynolds, Justin Shorter, a lot of players from last year's team are going to are gone and Florida is going to have to have guys step up in spring camp and replace them right now. And not having a, a position coach is certainly something to monitor from the other two perspectives. I think that you can look at it as potentially some positive moves right now. I'll start with Austin Armstrong. That is a guy that like many people on this coaching staff had a lot of familiarity with Billy Napier before being brought on to the staff in Gainesville. He worked at Louisiana in 2018 as the Ragin' Cajuns inside linebackers coach. Then he got an opportunity to go to Georgia and work under Kirby Smart. Billy Napier actually personally vouched for Austin Armstrong at the time. Armstrong at the time was only 26 years old, and he got an opportunity to go work, work with a Georgia staff that had a lot of five stars and, and did things the right way. So Armstrong got to see it for a year. And then the last two years, he's been the defensive coordinator at Southern Mississippi the youngest defensive coordinator in the nation last year. His defense was top 15 in scoring defense. They were really impressive. Um, it led to him this past offseason in January being snatched up by Nick Saban there. He's an Alabama guy. He goes back to his home state, but doesn't last long. Less than two weeks after that hire was announced, the Gators make the move for him when Patrick Tony departed for the Arizona Cardinals. They get a young, I think, highly touted guy with a lot of potential in Austin Armstrong. And what we heard from Billy Napier before we saw Austin Armstrong on the field was that this was going to be a little bit more of an aggressive guy from a schematic steam scheme standpoint, excuse me, more of a Southern guy, like I said, from Alabama. But we saw in those first two practices, he brought a lot of flair. You could hear him yelling. He was working more with the linebackers as well as with the safeties and Florida star nickelback position. I think that he brings a lot of aggression energy to the position, as does Russ Calloway, a guy who was here last year, just 35 years old, another really, really young guy. And Jacob, you wrote about this, so I'll turn it over to Hugh after this. But Russ Calloway seems to be what this unit needs right now. The Gators are looking for more production from the tight end position. They moved some guys into the room, and now they have a really young, energetic guy leading that position group. And it looks to be a positive move because Florida had him in there by the start of spring practice. So they really didn't miss a beat with any of the three guys having all three guys ready to go by spring camp, Jacob. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it, it, is it super early and is it difficult to evaluate, you know, the, uh, the efficacy of these coaches in their new roles? Absolutely. I mean, we, we, at, for those of you who are unfamiliar, this is now the second year that this has been the case. Media has a very limited window to be able to observe practices. We have 15 minutes per session. Uh, we get to see a skill development period. So it's not like we actually get to see, uh, you know, a lot of player on player action. Uh, so far as well, Florida has only been in helmets. That's an NCAA rule uh, at the start of any camp period. There's a lot to learn still about exactly how good these hires were. 
uh, how much positive change they can influence within their units or in Austin Armstrong's case as a defense. Uh, but I must say I'm, I am impressed uh, with Russ Calloway specifically to this point. Again, early. Uh, but I do think that the flair, the energy, the, uh, the, the approach that he brings within his coaching style to his unit is not something that we saw with William Piegler in charge of the unit. And to be clear, that does not mean I thought William Piegler was bad for Florida's tight ends. That does not mean I think he did a poor job. It was one year. It was too early. It was too quick to evaluate for real. That being said, uh, Russ Calloway brought an intensity within practice that we are yet to have seen with Florida's tight ends units. This is a guy who was getting down and demonstrating drills, demonstrating techniques that he was, there was a yell to his voice. He had volume. Uh, I, I just thought it was a more engaging practice session from an observation window than we saw previously. Is that a good or a bad thing? We're going to find out. For me personally, though, I, I can't imagine that that is a step in the wrong direction to have somebody who's going to be more engaging, perhaps more demanding with their unit. Uh, and I think that Florida might be getting the same thing out of Austin Armstrong, like you said, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So early signs, in my opinion, are very strong. Uh, I will also point out that the timing of these hires is somewhat unique relative to years past. Uh, the NFL had a pushed back schedule by a week for the first time, uh, adding an extra game. Billy Napier spoke about how the timing was not ideal for new coaching hires. So do I think that there's also a degree to which Florida was kind of pigeonholed into the hires it made? I do. Uh, but but I still do think that given the circumstances, uh, the two who they have brought in onto the staff so far uh, are promising. Let's Graham transition to what we've seen from the players so far in spring camp. Again, so early uh, and, and with limited viewing, but between what we've heard from people who we talked to, uh, behind the scenes, plus the roughly half hour of action that we've seen so far. Maybe a, a couple names or a position group that are standing out to you thus far uh, and, and why that would be a good place to start, I think. I think I'll start with safeties just because we had an opportunity to watch them. I think it's a unique position where last year you had a pair of starters there, but whether that translated to a drop-off necessarily in talent, I think is a big question. You move to a unit that has two young guys with a lot of potential in Kamari Wilson and Miguel Mitchell, two guys who I'll note, you know, played a whole bunch of snaps last year in that group, even though the, there were starters in the room. Rashad Torrance was dealing with an injury late in the year that allowed Miguel Mitchell and Kamari Wilson to, to get some starts and get a significant amount of reps. And then as we've heard from Mark Hockey, when we spoke to him after the first practice, Miguel Mitchell was one of the six guys that he named who stood out in off-season workouts. I could have this wrong, but I believe he said that he cleaned 330 pounds. I mean, for a guy his size at safety, that is incredible. I think that that will translate to his aggression on the field. I think you already saw him be a better tackler than some of the other guys in the room, some of the guys who transferred in the off season. And then the other reason, I think two other reasons, really, I think that's a position I've been watching is because of Armstrong's involvement. You lose a guy in Tony who also was the position coach for the safeties group. And now Florida, one of the coaching changes that we haven't really addressed that I'll let you talk about this a little bit more afterwards is Corey Raymond now coaching the entire secondary. As you reported 
a couple of weeks ago, Jacob, that is a move to kind of get everyone a little bit more on the same page. And you bring in a defensive coordinator who has more experience, let's say working in the front seven, working with your linebackers, you give more responsibility to Raymond. You, you make sure that he is here in 2023. That is, I think, a very, very interesting move. It could lead to the safety unit floor's third level of the defense being a lot better in 2023 potentially. And, and then, you know, you move Jamarcus Weston into that move. You get some that room, you get some guys like Sharif Denson um, in there who are capable of playing that star position, which noticeably has a, a huge lack of depth after they lost everyone last year, really just bringing back Jadarius Perkins there. So that has been a key position that I've been watching to the for the start of spring camp, just because of all the moving pieces, personnel, coaches, it's pretty intriguing for me. I think that they could be one to watch. If that unit can take steps in 2023. Florida's defense could be a lot better from a, a past defense standpoint. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I, I mean, to just to speak on the Corey Raymond decision, uh, it sounded like Florida made that move regardless of Patrick Tony's situation with the team. Uh, it sounded like there was always going to be some retooling uh, of the responsibilities for Florida's coaching staff. And among the moves uh, was to have Corey Raymond coach the entire secondary. I will say, though, uh, it does seem, at least at the start of spring practices, like Raymond's focus will continue to be the cornerbacks uh, with a combination of graduate assistants and Austin Armstrong working with the safeties, as you said. Uh, do I, I think the move is more so... Uh, giving a respected coach in Corey Raymond the title he really deserves. Uh, he should have the freedom to be able to work with Florida's defensive backs at large. Uh, I think this kind of puts him in a, in a coordinator-esque role in that he'll be able to kind of dictate what happens within Florida's defensive passing game, uh, you know, kind of align the entire secondary the way that he sees fit. He's done this before, I believe, at LSU for a year or two years. Uh, he was their overall defensive backs coach as opposed to just corners. And I think it's a good move. I, this is a guy who absolutely deserves the promotion. Uh, you know, look, if Florida had promoted him to defensive coordinator in a pinch, I would have said, makes sense to me. He, he deserves it. Uh, this is a legendary defensive backs coach, and, and, and it is the right move. Uh, one person who has stuck out to me, Graham, has been on the other side of the ball, and that is Andy Jean, the freshman wide receiver. We have now heard from... Mark Hockey, the strength and conditioning coach, Billy Napier, who I'm certain everybody knows who that is, uh, and others, that this guy is ready to go. This looks like somebody who could contribute immediately. Uh, and let's just be clear here, that is critically important. Florida did not bring in a transfer wide receiver this offseason. 
Uh, it brought in a handful of very talented freshman receivers, uh, but the group lost a lot, like you mentioned earlier. Justin Shorter, uh, Dejon Reynolds no longer with the team. And I will add, among the returning Florida wide receivers, only Ricky Pearsall ranked among the top 10 players on Florida's roster last year among guys who received at least 200 offensive snaps in terms of overall offensive rating on Pro Football Focus. Not a great number. Not a great sign for the unit. Uh, also going through a coaching change, still doesn't have somebody in charge of the unit officially. Uh, that is a group that is going to need people to step up who probably are either not expected to do so uh, or are in a position where they can make a jump year over year uh, relative to their product last year. I look at guys like Xavier Henderson as somebody who should try and make a nice big jump this year. Ty Bowman is somebody who I think is a candidate, uh, received quite a bit of run last year, especially towards the end of the season and is now in a position to maybe to contribute even more. And then you have guys like Andy Jean. Andy Jean is a quick, sharp route runner, has good hands, seems to be in very good physical condition for a true freshman based on everything we've heard so far. Uh, has dominated on several occasions in one-on-one -on -one reps. Jason Marshall told me that Andy Jean is somebody, not only who he played in high school, but is continuing to impress him now that he's in Gainesville. Uh, that could go down as one of Florida's better uh, off-season additions, regardless of transfer or high school, as it sounds like he's really contributing quickly. Uh, other guys whose names I've heard come up, Taraja Mitchell, the linebacker, Cameron Jackson, the defensive lineman, Micah Masua, who we'll talk about more a little bit in a second, the uh, offensive lineman projecting to start potentially at left guard. Uh, Damian George looking like Florida's starting right tackle already. Uh, these are all guys who sound like they are impressing early on. And again, I will remind everybody one more time, that's through two practices. That's with no pads on. There is a long way to go, a lot of spring ball, uh, but certainly some positive reviews. One guy, Graham, who I know you have heard good things about so far is the quarterback, Graham Mertz. Uh, Wisconsin transfer, spent the last four years with the Badgers, 34 appearances, 32 starts, uh, has had an up-and-down career. Interceptions have been a problem. Uh, not terribly mobile is a stark difference from what Florida had last year in potential number one overall pick, Anthony Richardson. Uh, but as somebody who it sounds like this coaching staff, the team, has quite a bit of confidence in. What have you heard so far? Uh, what stands out to you about Florida's potential new signal caller? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised at initially some of the responses to the addition of Graham Mertz, because I think a lot of the positives outweigh the negatives that have been, I think, highlighted a lot more than what he can bring to Florida's unit. Let me talk first, and let me not, I'm not disrespecting Anthony Richardson in any way here when I say this. I think that Anthony, this has been said time and time again, is his own biggest critic. And as we just saw at the NFL Combine, a ton of potential, a ton of talent, but he absolutely understands that there are things he needs to work on moving forward. One of the things that I have heard was leadership among teammates. I mean, Anthony, for everything that he does, he is a natural athlete, which when you can do that, sometimes that can affect your preparation, affect how much you want to be on the same page and affect some of your film review type stuff. We wrote about this last season that Anthony really middle of the season made a bigger push to get on the same page with his wide receivers. Maybe it was a little bit too late potentially, but you have a quarterback who isn't going through necessarily those learning along the way type steps. Graham Mertz has been in the building for four years before now. This is his fifth year. He understands what it takes. 
He's now in a place with nicer facilities, SEC talent. I don't really know how much potential he had at wideout when he was in Wisconsin, but I don't think he had a guy like Ricky Pearsall. He has a chance to, I think, be in an offense that can cater to his talent, a run-first oriented offense with two really, really good running backs. But the leadership that he brings to the position, that's, I think, what the greatest asset that you're getting from Graham Mertz right now. He's going to make everyone else around him better, whether it's Max Brown, the two walk-ons that they added, or Jack Miller, who I think that there's a respect factor for Jack Miller that he's not going to allow some guy to just come in and in two months take the job that he's been working for and thought that he kind of had the leg up on in that bowl game against Oregon State. The guy's healthy now. He has a second-year understanding of the offense. Mertz has the experience. It's really made for, I think, kind of a true quarterback battle in a sense. And, and Billy Napier had talked about that, that one guy wasn't going to just be handed the job. They do have a true quarterback battle in Gainesville, which I don't think you could have said last year. It really was, in my opinion, Anthony Richardson's job to lose. You didn't have a guy with a ton of experience competing with him. You didn't have someone who was a graduate transfer coming in. You didn't have someone more physically talented than him. The list goes on and on and on. Right now, Graham Mertz has come in, and in two months, he's gained a lot of respect in the building, not for what he did previously, but for how he's attacked his current preparation in Gainesville. He's, as Austin Barber said, who's going to be his starting left tackle, he has lived in the building. He's been in there every single time Barber has come into the building. Rob Sale said yesterday, um, excuse me, Tuesday, said that any you know notion that this guy is playing catch-up right now still should kind of be disregarded. He has caught up and he is on page and it has led to this quarterback battle where pretty soon here, like Jacob has said, you haven't seen too much. We'll get a lot more information as they get further into the month and have some scrimmages here. But right now it looks like Graham Mertz is on par with Jack Miller in terms of knowledge of the system. And that's going to, I think, make for a really intriguing battle as we get in um, farther into spring practice, Jacob. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Mertz passed for 4,405 yards with 38 touchdowns, 26 picks in 34 total appearances at Wisconsin. Uh, you mentioned something interesting about the quarterback room. Uh, Jack Miller is back in the fold for the Gators, who only have three scholarship quarterbacks, Mertz, Miller, Brown. Uh, but this is kind of the first we've seen of Miller in which he's fully healthy. Uh, last year, for those who don't recall, he suffered a gruesome thumb injury. Uh, required surgery for an avulsion fracture. Uh, it basically held him out for the entirety of the season. Recovery took much longer than Florida had anticipated. And Billy Napier basically told you and I, Graham, when we spoke to him uh, exclusively a couple weeks ago, that A, he would never reward an incoming player right away. And B, Jack Miller is somebody the team really likes. He was recruited by them uh, when they were in Arizona. Uh, Jack Miller, of course, is a prospect out of the state of Arizona. They obviously liked him a lot to take him in after he left Ohio State as a transfer uh, and started the bowl game last year basically injured with three weeks to prepare, according to Billy Napier. That's got to be promising for Florida. Is that room shorthanded? Absolutely. Uh, Florida will definitely need to pursue another scholarship quarterback before the start of the season. Is it a terrible situation? I don't know. I've seen a lot of overreacting in terms of this could be a really horrible situation for Florida. It doesn't have an adequate quarterback. I'm not saying that they have everything figured out and solved at the position, but I also don't know that it's downright horrible. I am interested to see uh, exactly what Graham Mertz will be able to do. 
Uh, last position group I want to go over with you, Graham, on this first episode uh, of our spring podcast set here uh, is offensive line. Florida had uh, a great unit last year at the position. Uh, four of those guys, four of its starters are no longer with the team, though. Richard Garage off to the NFL. Ethan White off to USC as a transfer. Michael Tarquin off to USC as a transfer. And of course, Osiris Torrance, a potential first round pick in this year's NFL draft. Uh, great unit. Kingsley Aguakin, the only guy who came back. Uh, but they brought in some great transfers. We've already mentioned Damian George, who has impressed transfer out of Alabama. Micah Masua, transfer out of Baylor, who has done quite well. And Keontae Goodwin, a transfer from Kentucky. Uh, four freshmen as well. Caden Jones, Roderick Kearney, Bryce Lovett, and Najee Harris. Uh, the state of this, this group looks pretty good to me. I think that they brought in a bunch of big bodies. It's a unit that looks over the across the board much bigger than it did last year. And it did bring in transfers who have had success to some degree at previous stops. I personally am encouraged by what Florida has at offensive line. How do you feel? I think that the additions were about as good as Florida really could have done at that position. It was certainly, like you said, a group that lost a lot. Four starters from last year's team. I thought there was a chance even that Kingsley could depart. Multi-year starter. And then you have to rebuild the entire offensive line. Really the one focal point, kind of a saving grace in a sense for the unit was the fact that, you know, Austin Barber got some starting experience last year. You never want to find a positive and a guy getting injured, but if there is one, it was that when Michael Tarquin went down in the second game of the season, Austin Barber, who his rise was well-documented a lot last year in preseason camp, Billy Napier said that this guy was potentially a starter for us, along with Tyreek Sapp on the defensive line that maybe wasn't a starter, but they viewed him as a starter. And I think he proved that a lot last year, participated in the bowl game, comes back this season, just his third season of college football. And it's looking like he's going to continue what has been an incredible rise. Now going to be the left tackle for the Gators, protect the blind side of whichever quarterback wins that job. You get, I think, obviously it hurt to lose Cam Waits, the six foot eight right guard for Florida. Florida really likes Richie Leonard, so it looks like that guy is going to get an opportunity to start this year. But then the guys you bring in, I mean, Micah Mazuka, you, you look at, you know, Keontae Goodwin. You and I have both heard really, really good things about Keontae Goodwin from a physical development standpoint. There were initially some concerns about his conditioning when he got here. Those seem to be alleviated. He really attacked that in the offseason. That could be a huge boost for Florida. And then Damian George, you get that guy from Alabama. Looks like he's going to be starting right tackle for Florida. Really looks like they rebuilt that unit better than any other unit on the roster. I know they added linebackers. I know they added some really you know, talented defensive linemen. But in terms of overall rebuild of a very, very important piece, I think Florida nailed that one uh, with a lot of promising pieces. Now, will anyone live up to what Osiris Torrance did last year? That remains to be seen. But in terms of replacing production, you may have even upgraded with getting George at, at right tackle over potentially Tarquin. You may have up, upgraded at the left guard spot from Richie Leonard, a guy who was already moving in You know, for Ethan White last year. He may not play left guard. He may play right guard, but a guy who had a chance to get a high amount of reps last year. And then, of course, Barber. So you bring guys in from Power 5 programs, the SEC as well, and you have returning promising young players. I think it looks like a really, really good rebuilt unit, Jacob. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I think that this is a group that has the size to be very successful. I think it has the athleticism to be very successful. 
my personal favorite guy in the class, all things considered. So I'm talking, you know, long-term, uh, who this player could turn into. I think Keontae Goodwin is fantastic. Uh, this is a guy who is a former five-star prospect, ranked 33rd overall, fifth among offensive tackles, and number one in the state of Indiana in the 2022 class. Went to what is essentially his local school in Kentucky. Uh, he's from that part of Indiana that's just right on the border. Uh, with the state of Kentucky, uh, trained in Kentucky as a high schooler, unbelievably talented guy. As we know, though, weight and conditioning were concerns for him. Uh, when I spoke to his trainer when he first committed to Florida, uh, his trainer told me in no uncertain terms one of the factors that led them to Florida was the way that the Gators were able to get Desmond Watson into playing shape last year. And granted, Desmond Watson has gained some weight again this offseason, and Florida is working to get him back into shape. But Keontae Goodwin is a guy who needed that kind of structure, something that would allow him uh, to get back on the field. I saw Goodwin with my own eyes the other day at practice, and this looks like a guy who's in pretty good shape. Now, granted, as offensive line coach Rob Sale told the media, yes, there's room for him to improve. Uh, he still needs to continue to lose weight, to continue to get into better shape. But to say that he is out of shape or anything like that, I don't think that that's the case at this point. Uh, he looks to be in quite good physical condition for the position. Uh, and if he, they can get him going, I can see him being a guy who may be uh, someone who can push for some starter level reps. And I can also see Jacob Slaughter being somebody who could push for starter level reps. Rob Sale mentioned that if something were to happen to Kingsley Egwakan up the middle uh, at that center spot, if there were poor performances, uh, he would feel comfortable right now starting Jake Slaughter uh, at the center spot. I was impressed with Jake Slaughter last year. Uh, looked like somebody who was really doing well in practices. I've talked to several sources who have told me the same thing. Uh, I think that Jake Slaughter could be somebody to keep an eye on as we get closer to the season, even throughout this fall camp or spring camp, excuse me. Uh, as a likely second team performs well, I think that that could be the number one candidate maybe to push somebody uh, for a first team role. Graham, any final thoughts as we wrap up our first spring podcast, uh, talking Florida football? And granted, I will say before I turn it over to you, uh, we only go through or went through two position groups in this one, quarterback and offensive line. The reason for that is because we've talked to those coaches. We've talked to Billy Napier, who is Florida's quarterback's coach, and we've talked to Rob Sale, uh, who is Florida's offensive line coach. As we talk to more coaches, we will preview uh, or review their units. Uh, Graham, any thoughts? Yeah, let me just note real quick that this is one of the few times, uh, probably I think the first in the, I think nine years that I've been coming to spring practice where the Gators have actually opened spring practice before spring break. So content note real quick, Florida will be off next week. There will be no spring practice as players are on spring break. They will return uh, March 20th. So look for content to return, return then from spring camp. And we will have information on the cornerbacks, which is, I think, a really positive unit for Florida. Brings back a lot of guys. Gets Jason Marshall back, Jalen Kimber, Jaden Hill. Um, and I think that also, you know, you mentioned Taraja Mitchell. That's looking like the guy that's going to step up and really be the man in the middle who is kind of, in recent terms, been referred to by guys as the professor who knows everyone else's role and knows what they're doing. And Billy Napier's referred to these guys as, you know, 4D players. So I think that... We'll have some more on that coming uh, maybe this Saturday, but especially when Florida returns from spring break. So look out for that uh, at Swamp 247. 
Yeah, lots of content over at swamp247.com right now. Uh, Florida's basketball season is wrapping up. Not only are we covering that, but we're covering recruiting for Florida basketball. I've seen a lot of people, uh, both on Twitter and on the uh, the workings of the message board section of the internet, uh, asking about Florida basketball transfer recruiting. We have you covered there. Florida's already in with two potential graduate transfers. Uh, you can read about that on swamp247.com. We're also covering baseball, so lots to do uh, at this time of year, and we would encourage you to subscribe to the site if you really want the full experience. Graham, myself, and Blake Alderman, our recruiting expert, are constantly posting insider information, both in article form and on the message board that you can only get if you subscribe, which you can do for just $1 for your first month. Uh, I would highly encourage you to do so. Uh, and besides that, hit that subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube. We appreciate your view there. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. We do read them. Uh, and for those of you who are listening on audio-only platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we appreciate you, uh, and we we would hope to see you after our next episode, which should be coming up here pretty soon. This is uh, Thursday, March 9th, and as Graham said, just with spring ball rolling, uh, we plan to probably get at least two of these out a week, so just stay tuned, uh, be it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, etc. Uh, for this episode, though, that's going to do it. My name is Jacob Rudner for Graham Hall. We will see you next time. Have a good one. Enjoy your spring.